This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema, and with me today is Jake. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, you threw me off with that hesitation, but yeah, happy <laughs> to be here, man. Let's talk about some physical media Yeah, for you, uh, all you connoisseurs of the cloud. I'm, I'm trying to get off that, man. I'm telling you, I've been hitting family video like it's my job lately, and it's it's been a good experience. And what is family video anyway? Is that like a new red box type thing that's going on with the video store? No, family video is, I think, the longest tenured national video store chain in America. They've been going since 1978, and they still have over 500 stores in operation in the country right now. So the last blockbuster is actually up in Bend, Oregon, which is where my brother used to live. And I've been there. It's still open, but it's independently owned. And the person who runs it essentially owns the Blockbuster name now because every other Blockbuster in the world is gone. Family Video, however, through some means, they've been able to stay open and keep over 500 100 stores still going in the States as we speak. And there's one about 15 minutes down the road from me. So I've been hitting there about twice a week the last month and hans do they have a family video in costa rica and san jose or wherever you live no uh we have videos where you can rent uh burned copies of real movies <laughs> so they just download the dvd file and just burn copies of them and then you can either rent it for a dollar or buy them for two <laughs> wonderful so the the equivalent of a new york or boston subway merchant yeah but they have walls, so <laughs> that's the, that's the biggest difference. Uh, you don't collect physical media, but Jake, I know you're like me, and you you do. So why? I mean, what is compelling you to go back to the video store here in this case, and not just outright buy Blu-rays and whatnot? Since on paper they should be cheap because nobody's really buying physical media. Although we've seen during the coronavirus epidemic and lockdown that prices on Blu-rays on DVDs have skyrocketed. And it's in some cases, it's very difficult to track down certain physical media. No, you know what? I would say actually it's, um, it's a little different than you might think. I've seen indications that physical media purchasing has been going up in recent years. You could probably find a number of articles online that would point you to that. But I think at least from where I stand, the whole idea of, collecting physical media and having a personal physical library is well because for one I started doing it as a teenager because I was getting big into films then and hitting pretty much anywhere that could uh, sell me some movies for a decent price and just trying to fill up a shelf and have a good body of stuff to be able to just jump around through and this was before Netflix really took off back when I was a teenager but in the years since I think it's just because we found out that a lot of these services, especially things like Netflix, have just become the television of the 2020s now. I mean, if you really think about it, Netflix has become as vacuous and really scattershot as 90s television when you had run-of-the-mill sitcoms on every channel and the occasional diamond in the rough, which Netflix is still capable of churning out, but it's rarely of their own effort. They usually buy it or pick it up. But it's few and far between. And mostly what Netflix is to me now, because I hardly even use it, 
it's just reruns of bad shows I never liked anyway. And then a couple of decent properties that are on there and fizzle out quickly, like Stranger Things, which should have been a one-off show. But yeah. it's essentially the lifeblood to something like Netflix now. So Netflix has become a caricature of itself. And people like me who just want to consume the things they like, you can't find a lot of the movies you like on Netflix or Hulu or even Amazon Prime. So the best way to go about it is to peruse through whether it's video stores like Family Video or I actually buy from a chain that's based up in New England. I buy all my physical media from them. Uh, they're named Bull Moose. And yeah, okay, I'll give them the plug. There you go, Bull Moose. <laughs> yeah, and they yeah. So I buy all my physical media through them because they they have most everything you could want between books, CDs, um, vinyls, and then DVDs and Blu-rays. So yeah, I think there's just been a real kind of a slippery slope that the whole cloud media has been going down ever since it became the norm. So. That, that's what's reinforced it for me, at least. Now, in uh, in some cases, what we're starting <clears throat> starting to see, especially with the recent controversies and whatnot, is a, a lot of these companies are reeling back and going back to edit the source material and void it of anything that might be offensive in the current climate. Like I've seen articles about 30 Rock, that might be an obvious one. But even the Golden Girls are cutting out episodes where they wear face masks that are made of mud because that might be uh, something that is viewed as unsavory for certain parties. When you start messing with B. Arthur, that's when I get mad. The 60-year-old grandma in me just wants her to be left alone from the grave. Leave B. Arthur alone. Do you think that's going to, I mean, not that yeah, people are rushing out and buying TV box sets of the Golden Girls, but do you see that trickling into something like physical media or, I mean, maybe this is kind of a redundant question to ask because I, again, I don't see these companies reissuing many of the series on Blu-ray or DVD. It took uh, some, some shows an extremely long time just to get certain music licenses cleared and so they could have that initial release to begin with. Um, I'm not sure if I really see too many companies putting out new renditions of the same old thing, but let's say hypothetically people are really in the mood to buy a restored 4k HD version of boy meets world. What do you think happens in the case of episodes where, you know, maybe you have some off color jokes. Do you think, these things will get the same treatment as what has happened with streaming or no? What do you think, Hans? Um, I don't know, because um, most of them, since they're already out, maybe as a marketing standpoint, it could work in this climate because, as you said in, in a previous episode uh, with the Gone with the Wind thing, uh, you know how they took it out and then people canceled and then no, 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 no. That, put it that's back a in. that's a future episode, Hans. We're going backwards. Oh. We, I mean, oh. the order we go in on Patreon is the reverse order for the rest of the listenership. Okay, but sure. Okay, I'm following. So, to, so I guess to make your point that people cancel their subscription when they took the movie out and then they put someone lecturing you on the context of it and then put it back in and people subscribed again. So maybe from a virtuous standpoint, if if they announce that they're going to remove it, 
uh, people are going to get outraged and it's going to get a lot of attention. And then if they put him back, even if they have that narration or that lecture from someone beforehand, I don't know. I feel like some people would see it as a win and might buy it again just to have that, just to have the context. Because people are um, stupid. So, because people are retards and yeah. they don't understand that it's still benefiting the same company that censored it to begin with. Yeah. Uh, I, I could it's see not- that happening. In the case of all these recent TV show sitcom censorships, I, I think it's been more of the uh, – more under the branch of NBC, right? Because we're talking about 30 Rock. We're talking about The Office. We're talking about – uh, Parks and Rec and Golden Girls, and these are all on, I think, what is called the Peacock app, which, uh, you know, that's why you, ha- you, you know, you have all these TV shows being pulled from Netflix all of a sudden, in spite of being on there for ages, and mm-hmm. they are being loaded up into this new NBC streaming service. I mean, the Golden Girls, that one's really completely, what are they going to do with the uh... What was the show called? All in the, no, it wasn't All the Family. The one with the racist old man. Yeah, no, you're oh, right. Uh, it's All family. in the Family. All in the Family. Yeah, Archie Bunker. Family, yeah. Okay, yeah, Archie, yeah. What is that so, going to be the next one they're going to try to cancel now? I mean, here's know. the deal. Uh, here's the deal on that. I think All in the Family, is it on the CBS app or am I just high? Uh, I've actually wa- I watched it pretty recently, a, a few episodes and whatnot. And... Uh, it really hasn't been touched yet, but it's probably just because most people today think about it. We're, we're kind of on the older end of the sphere of the people consuming now, which is actually funny to think. Nobody under the age of 23 knows what the hell all in the family is. Yeah. Uh, nobody's they none of them have heard of Archie Bunker. And if they do, it's going to be from this terrible Twitter thread and whatnot. They're going to they're not going to know how to trace that back. So I think I think there is a limit to this that. Certain properties, yeah, they, they will be adjusted or edited or nixed, if you will, like your Boy Meets World example, because people fawn over 90, 90 shit right now. What happened uh, in that show? Was there blackface in that no, show? No, that was just an example. I, I just was scrambling oh. for a title. <laughs> no, I remember there was bad. one episode, I think, where Fred Savage raped Topanga or something at college. I don't know. Uh, Creepy college professor. Oh. Uh. But yeah, aside so from I, that, I think it's going to be really difficult. And I know that this is almost a hypothetical conversation, but I think it's going to be really difficult to do that on a grand scale. And it's certainly not going to happen in the physical media world because it's, yeah, th- there's a lot more sanctity there and uh, a lot more security for consumers in the physical media world because the amount of money it would cost to reissue some of these properties, even if it's. A, even if it's a, a flagship show for somebody like NBC, like 30 Rock or whatnot, if they want to put out a new 4K release, that's going to cost thousands, if not millions of dollars to roll that out. And if they do that, sure, they're going to lose some money by rolling it out as an edited format or whatnot, or just censoring uh, off-color jokes from you know 2009 or whatever. And I mean, they really have to look at the, the overhead that's going to, you have to be made up for just by issuing something like that. So this is where the sanctity of physical media jumps in and makes itself evident. I know Jerry was talking to us in the chat uh, before the show, and uh, he, he can't be here right now. Hey, uh, Hans, I'm going to come here. Sure. This, this, is my, 
<laughs> this is why it really is important, because when you look at things like the original issuings of E.T. or the original Star Wars trilogy, you can still find them in their real, natural, original forms on Laserdisc or early VHS releases before Spielberg cropped out uh, guns or before Lucas put in all these extra oh, digital that's right. effects. Yeah, no, he did remove matter. the guns from E.T., didn't he? I, that, that slipped my mind entirely. Yeah, and South Park did the joke that he did it a thousand other times with uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and whatnot. So, yeah, there is a sanctity that comes with physical media. And the more vast that the library of films and television becomes, and it's only becoming more vast with these streaming platforms and whatnot, the harder it's going to be to really censor all that kind of stuff, especially when it comes to reconciling physical copies that are out there in the tens or hundreds of thousands. And also because now it's easier to just rip anything on your computer. Like you can even do it with DVDs or even laser discs, discs that you're able to just get the file online. So even if let's say that they get rid of all of them, like they do that, uh, um, ET game, that Atari game, uh, if they get, let's say they get rid of all of them, you're still going to find someone on eBay that has the original version and is going to sell you an illegal copy of the original version anyway. So it's uh, it's impossible to get rid of uh, to get rid of the original one anyway. But I don't really see it as far fetched uh, for companies to start doing that just to at least try and see if people are stupid enough to buy it again just for the virtue, you know. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, the thing is, again, the libraries are too vast. A lot of these big conglomerates, yeah, you could say CBS or Universal, NBC Universal, Comcast, like whoever it is, sure, they they can try to come down on that to an extent, but there's no way to catch up with it. There would be so much work you would have to do. (laughs) Yeah, it it would literally cost them billions of dollars to kind of backtrack and, and nullify previous releases or even to just... Uh, again, create a new library of of PC friendly content from shows that were designed to be not PC. Even something like the Golden Girls, which it's it's funny. It, it's funny how we bring that up, like almost ironically, but it is true that even yeah. something like the Golden Girls, you know, twenty seven years after it ended, or twenty eight years after it ended, is like a bunch of bickering old women. Oh, that, that yeah, that's you know, that's risque. 30 years later like they're all dead too <laughs> it doesn't no, matter no, no. Betty White's still Betty kicking White, she's like uh, a thousand I'm sure, Don Cheadle's sure alive kicking. I'm sure she's kicking a lot yeah she's sitting down and not moving alive, I think <laughs> but I I mean that begs the question though I for the most part I know, I know that for uh, for the manufacturers of Blu-ray players right one major distributor manufacturer decided to call it quits because the the players themselves were not selling. I don't know which one off the top of my head. This is somewhat recent news. Do any of you guys know about this? <clears throat> they just stop uh, making I them. Say, I will say yeah. that um, Blu-ray players. I actually have to get a new one. Um, they've gone down in price and. That, I think that's just like a market trend because if you look at all entertainment apparatuses right now in the marketplace, everything is way cheaper than it used to be 20, 30 years ago. As a matter of fact, like my parents way back in the day had a big entertainment system set up. They had a TV and a laser disc player and everything. 
And Laserdisc players back in the early 90s would run you $600 just for the Oof. player. Yeah. And then you got to think about the late. You had to be a rich motherfucker or just uh, a not care about your children. Idiot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, to get that back in the early 90s. And now it's like, okay, you want a Blu ray player, which is going to play essentially top tier image and picture quality. You get it for 50 bucks. And it's it's a relative it's a market thing. And maybe this guy who quit is like, oh, they're not selling or what. But it's like, yeah, dude, uh, at the same time, you can get a 55 inch LCD screen TV for two hundred seventy five dollars in America. It's like. How yeah. much were late this this like the other day? Were they expensive? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, think yeah. about it like this. If you were to buy a video in 1988 of a brand new film. It would cost you anywhere between twenty to sixty dollars for it, right? VHS. And twenty VHS and twenties on the low yeah. end. If you go back to like mid eighties, you're paying seventy dollars for like what would be a four eighty p quality video. Yeah, but it's all on one tape. Laser disc was too big of a problem because you had to flip the disc, and then it would be on like two other discs if it was a long, if it was Titanic or something. It, it had it caused too many problems. <laughs> Uh, Samsung is no longer producing 4K oh, wow. Blu-ray players or regular Blu-ray players as of last year. So they are well, a major. I told you that about the whole 4K thing. That is, I, I've been going to bat against that for like three years now. That's the dumbest, the dumbest idea since HD DVDs tanked back in the aughts. No, uh, no, you say that as someone without one. I have one now. I what, to, to what I'll say is what I'll say is. In in certain circumstances, I agree with you. I don't think the 4K Blu-ray player is a scam. I think certain Blu-rays are a scam, where they will no, not even be... That's the point I'm making. They won't be 4K in quality. A lot of these older movies, especially, their master file is only 2K. And so they're up-converting in your... I mean, it's not bad quality, but there's certain films that I think are designed to be viewed on a certain platform like if you if you watch a video a vhs of any given movie right that might be a different experience than if you have the sharpest highest quality dvd blu-ray hd blu-ray whatever it might be or if you go to the theater and i think that impacts the experience and how you take in the content of that media as well so uh maybe you know i'm I'm seeing things like maniac being released on 4k blu-ray and it's like why why? So you can see like the literal specks of dirt that are on that film or um, Cannibal Holocaust in 4K or Blair Witch. In 4 like Clo- Cloverfield right. is in 4K. For what purpose? I'm pretty sure a lot of those scenes were just shot in regular 1080p. 28 Days Later, another one. That doesn't even deserve a Blu-ray because they shot it in 1080p. Uh, or or what have you on um, no, they, Sony handhelds? They shot that on on DV tape. Right. Yes. So yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. What the hell so, are you doing? No, that, that's the point I'm making about that. If you want to tank the physical media industry, go ahead with this 4K Ultra HD bullshit. Because the thing is, it can only it can only work from the time it's invented on, on films going forward. Like you just made all the uh, examples of why it's a dumb idea for for somebody to update their collection to a 4k which is why i draw the line at blu-ray because as you said blu-ray tops off around 2k for its um for its uh, quality in terms of a picture and resolution and that's great because if you go back 
even to films of the 70s that were competently shot, um, remastering the, the, the film reel and whatnot and like raw 35 millimeter film looks great on 2K, but there's really not much more you can get out of it. This whole 4K thing, I think it's, it's again, I think it's, it's a hindrance. I think Blu-ray is kind of, a lot of people don't like Blu-ray like James Rolfe for whatever reason. Um, but I think that was the apex. <laughs> And he's got yeah, but he's got some terrible weird takes that don't make any sense. He's like, I I miss the DVD menus. Whatever happened to the DVD menu? Fuck Blu-ray. I want a DVD. Like I that that's something I couldn't stand about DVDs specifically is you would have to sit through, and especially the earlier DVDs, like eight minutes worth of commercials, and you had to fucking just skip, uh, skip, skip every time. Every time you clicked in in anything, it would go into a short video to show you where it's going. And then it would have to load the video and then get into the menu. Yeah, and yeah it was. It was what, what I, yeah, I'll like, tell you what I miss about uh, DVDs, though, is the the Easter egg components. They would hide little things like a cheat code you needed to look up to figure out how to get this deleted scene or a gag reel or something. I, I enjoyed that aspect of DVD. One thing I'll say in DVD's corner is that they were more creative with the actual content of the disc, even though I'm ragging on the DVD menus and whatnot. But, uh, you know, as opposed to Blu-ray, it's just like... Boop, 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 play movie scene selection, special features, get to it. You know, you're not buying a Blu-ray really for that kind of experience. It's just to watch it in the superior quality. Also, <clears throat> we should probably differentiate that just because a movie's in 4K and it's on a 4K Blu-ray does not mean it's ultra HD, right? So maybe the dimensions are are up to snuff, but that doesn't mean you're getting a, an ultra HD clear picture and I'll, I'll give you an example of this i own um i uh well geez um train spotting 2 on 4k blu-ray and it looks fine it looks clean but i also own tim burton's two batman films on 4k blu-ray and those were completely restored and upgraded to ultra hd and you can make out fine details of everything and the color palette is as it was when it was in theaters back in 89 and 1992. It makes a tremendous difference. If you put in a regular Blu-ray of Batman 89 or Batman Returns and then put in the 4K Ultra HD versions, it's like you're looking at two different pictures entirely. So there, there is some benefit to be had with that, but in many of these cases with like Sony and, and whatnot, they get very lazy with it and they'll just put out whatever and it's essentially just whatever master print they have available in their electronic file. It won't be a cleaned up reel that is designed for this platform. Right. And more of the point of what I'm making is that as opposed to the years of VHS, DVD, and even Blu-ray's heyday, which Blu-ray's been going about 13, 14 years now, and mm -hmm. it's had a quiet, good kind of dominant place on the market. But in their heyday, you could essentially upgrade to uh, the next format pretty easily for most movies. I know there's limitations with Blu-ray and that that's something to say against it. But for the most part, you could update your collection no problem with most movies. That's not going to be the case with this 4K format uh, because a lot of a, a lot of films or most films I'd even argue they're, they're not going to have the resources or the time or the studio means to put it put through that 4K master. And Unless certain studios or st certain home uh, video companies buy the distribution rights or something like that, which probably isn't going to happen, 
you're not going to get enough uh, quantity to, I think, viably update your collection. And again, I, I don't think you're getting too much more in terms of value when, again, Blu-ray has a, a, a pretty good overall output. Again, I, I just think it's uh, I think it's being a little tacky. What's the what's the price difference between 4K Blu-rays and regular Blu-rays? Well, it's like uh, ten it's like ten to fifteen dollars, I think. Typically, on yeah. The difference. I did see though that for some reason, I don't know why, Puppet Master: The Littlest Reich has a 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray, and it's only seven dollars. It's on sale. Right Hell now. yeah! So if anybody wants so, that, so the next one. Yeah. What's the what was the Anthony Cumia website that ended up being like a scam? Something shark deep discount. Yeah, deep discount. Deep, deep discount. <laughs> you can get that on deep. That's who our sponsor is for this episode. Deepdiscount.com. Physical media. Wouldn't that be great if that was just a ploy and this was all undercover sponsorship, just like Kevin Hart talking about uh, Morningstar Anything. or whatever it might be on Joe Rogan. Um, so Hans, why don't you collect movies? You collect Funko Pops. I uh, no, I don't. Yes, you um, do. I, I did. No, 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 no. Don't, I don't did. lie. <laughs> I have like, yeah, I have a, I have a bunch of DVDs that I bought when I was living in Canada. Oh, I thought you were going to say a that. bunch of women's dresses. No, oh. just a couple. Uh, I haven't since I've since I've moved or I've made a couple of like big moves cross you know ocean and and Whoa, i was big living move in canada hans, big here. player hans making all the moves yeah. jackpot <laughs> yeah uh no move of moving not actually doing anything at all but um all of those times i i would buy them and collect them and i had to leave them so a lot of them behind because i couldn't fit them in my suitcase so mm. until i know that i'm going to be staying somewhere for a long period of time i decided to just save money instead of spending it on something that I can access online and and uh, you know not have to get rid of them in case that I end up moving out of here again. Well, that's sad. Yeah, that's, that's a much sadder story <laughs> than you just More being like, ah, I don't like Funko Pops. It. Yes, yeah. the fun <laughs> the Funko Pops got priority over his movie collection. Um, you putting your shit in a moving truck, you got two hundred pounds of Funko Pops. <laughs> <laughs> That video of that guy spent $16,000 and then just goes through every Funko Pop on camera. <laughs> it's a 20-minute video. That's what your YouTube channel should be. Forget that yeah. one vlog you put out. <laughs> just unbox Funko Pop. I did watch – I watched a video of a guy going through all of his Criterion laser discs, and there were literally about 300. And he was like, this is Seven Samurai. And then he sets it down. This is the third man. Sets it down. I watched the whole thing. I don't know why I did that to myself. Uh, Jake, what? What? Because that's how you're gonna. Because that's where you're gonna end up after this. What are you talking that's about? That's where I'm gonna that's be gonna at be age sixty. Yeah. Years. If I can hold on to this YouTube <laughs> <No> channel. <laughs> if I don't when get all banned. All these fails. Yeah. <laughs> it's just just gonna be you talking about your DVD collection. That's where all the Patreon money goes. Is to my Criterion <laughs> laser discs. Uh, Jake, what do you, I mean, for you, because I, I don't think you're as uh, impulsive with your purchasing of physical media from what I know, as I am anyway, where I will I will go on a spree of purchases. 
for things I don't need, or I'll randomly get into collecting certain things like videotapes or Criterion or whatever it might be, steel books. What copies of the Amazing Spider-Man one and two? Yes, dollar ninety nine at Walgreens. What compels you to purchase a movie? Oh, geez. I mean, that's a good question. I think, like, I don't know. My my last purchase that I got was like over three hundred bucks worth of stuff. But I mean, I now I just have a bunch of crap in my cart. Wait until next time. I don't know when it's going to be. I think it's just the idea of. Um, Again, just having access to the movies and the kind, the types of movies I love and the types of material I love and having instant access to it and just being able – just yeah, again, just being able to, when I want to, go over, grab it off the shelf, pop it in the player, not have to peruse through you know th- the three or four different apps that I have, it, especially because as I've gotten older, my taste for movies has – really gone more toward the obscure like things that netflix wouldn't really go out of their way to pick up or anything like that like a film like every which way but loose with clint eastwood which was a box office hit but nobody knows about it Mm because it's him fighting guys as a trucker walking around with a little pet monkey like stuff like that it's fantastic movie by the way but uh yeah no 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 more rough snyder movies is that what you're saying (laughs) I'm no, just no, saying that because I, do... I, I own a copy of The Hot Chick. I just remembered. <laughs> I uh, own a yeah, copy. I was, was going to say my three copies of The Animal on my <laughs> shelf are getting lonely. They need <laughs> they need Deuce Bigelow, European gigolo with them. Uh, yeah, but I don't. it's just the idea of, um, I guess it's also a form of self-expression too. I mean, no, you know, when people come over to my house, they'll see the shelf and whatnot and be like, oh yeah, like cool. And like half the time I want to, fucking hide away half the shit i bought when it was six when i was 16 because it all fucking sucks but the point. <laughs> yeah it, it is a form of like uh self-expression too but definitely having that instant access and having your own personal library it, it's also a little bit of a liberating thing when, when when you're somebody who your life is essentially movies and whatnot uh it's definitely more liberating to have things at your again at your leisure and to, um, you know, just just consume and indulge the things you like to do without having to go to a middleman or a third party. So in more recent years, that's definitely been my consideration. Like, oh, I, I don't have this movie, but I love it. It'd be way easier to enjoy it when I feel like it if I just had it on the shelf. So I'll put it in my cart. Now, so in that case, then, it's, you typically would only buy movies that you're likely to revisit then. I think that's probably the most common sense answer for anybody purchasing things. Um, do you ever purchase anything? Maybe because you have a rental spot nearby, this this might not be the case, but do you ever just purchase anything on a whim, having never watched it? Yeah, yeah. There's been a few examples of that. Um, probably longer ago than more recently. But, yeah, definitely when I first started collecting films, I, w- I was just buying stuff that I was recommended or that I heard some great things about. And I was like, Oh shit. Like I'll get to that at some point. And then, you know, 10 years later, it's still on my shelf. I still haven't watched it, but yeah, it's a, it's a good piece on there. So yeah, but definitely more so now it's about preserving things that I enjoy and preserving uh, my access to those things. Because 
Yeah, I know the whole gone with the wind thing. Like you think it was a big nothing burger kerfuffle, but it, I was of the opinion that, you know, they did it under the guise of doing it for good publicity, even if you think their intentions were bad or facetious. And it's just, that's the kind of stuff that you think about and you're like, well, you know, what if access to this film is cut off indefinitely and I don't have it in my possession and stores start to puss out and, and don't sell it anymore. Like I don't go to Best Buy for my movies or anything, but like a Best Buy doesn't sell it anymore. Maybe they don't sell the Wizard of Oz because I don't know, because fucking sepia tone is insensitive or something uh, like that. The, uh, inhumane treatment of midgets. I'm, pr- I'm fairly certain. <laughs> well, listen, if they hang themselves on set, that's their problem. Not mine. Another, another, another myth disproven thanks to the miracle of 4K. We can see that's a flamingo's neck and not a hanging little person. I used to, <laughs> I used to look into that all the time and play that back and convince myself that it was a, a snuff film, just so I would like The Wizard of Oz more. Were you one of those those kids that would just uh, listen to the albums backwards to see if they would hear? devil or something. I, I, I got into that for a minute with like Led Zeppelin <laughs> tracks. I was like, whoa, this means something. <laughs> this kind of sound, sounds like a word. Must be saying something. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you guys feel about uh, companies like Arrow or Seven films that have been putting out a lot of B-movies and underground shit? So You know uh, what? I, I gotta say I'm pretty outspoken about that. I think that's actually one of the best things that's come of this latter era of home video, especially, and this is where Blu-ray probably can get the most credit since Blu-ray has become a really accessible medium for a lot of these fringe kind of, um, outfitters like arrow shout factory is a big one. Shout, fac- shout factory mm-hmm. is great. Um, there's a, yeah. And there's a number of others, uh, that just escaped me, but yeah, and they've given a platform and a real market to films that, otherwise are, are obscured that certainly wouldn't see any kind of commercial 4k remaster or anything like that. Like in my cart right now, I have the arrow release of Larry Cohen's, the stuff, which is hard to get almost anywhere else. And um, I mean, that movie's a relic for a lot of reasons. So yeah, I, I think those fringe kind of home video outfitters are, are doing a great service. I know um, on the internet, there, there is a little bit of a, kind of like poking fun at these people that just fiend for all these arrow video releases and whatnot of terrible <laughs> movies from the seventies and stuff. But you know what? I, I, people like what they like. And um, I think it's great that certain companies are spending the time and money, and especially because they're independent self-contained operations. That That's way more admirable to me. And um, yeah, it's, it's cool that there's even a market like that in this, I, I hate to use like buzz terms or stuff like, I don't know, like postmodern cloud world where everything is just accessible or most things are accessible through some kind of streaming service that everybody else has. Yeah. The arrow version of cruising specifically is something that I've been meaning to pick up so I can see Al Pacino's chest hair in the highest of definition. But <laughs> I, I really hate the uniform that they put their movies in when they when they release them that little rainbow at the bottom and then the arrow on oh the, yeah the a i don't like that at all the only arrow release i have is actually a uk release that was from maybe about 10 years ago 
before they even did like their their specialty line like what shout factory has done or um uh, what's the horror line specifically that shout does scream factory scream factory Mm. okay um i i have a battle royale box set that has the director's cut of the first movie the theatrical cut and then special features and whatnot i think maybe the second movie might be on there as well and it's just this giant thick uh box set that is i'm fairly certain no longer available uh but they do typically a great job with remastering and and really making as you had said before jake these obscure movies that probably would have gotten like an extremely cheap like poor distributor like anchor bay at their worst style dvd release with like terrible video quality they they take the releases of these types of films and make them like little mini events essentially when they are released onto yep. blu-ray and give them new life which is uh definitely something respectable and, and necessary right now when we have so much art and and you know film in general is kind of creatively stagnant yeah uh for example a few of my favorite ones that i have on my shelf from arrow i have a few of their releases um the release of last house on the left which has a fantastic packaging like great new remaster and update and i have uh west west cravens the hills have well another west craven film the hills have eyes uh in this great packaging good remaster plenty of features i have children of the corn and yeah it's, it's cool that again just um kind of new life is being breathed into a lot of these movies in which case maybe the two Craven's uh, Craven films I mentioned are sure they're known among niche circles, but giving it a new kind of spruced up and polished uh, release can really direct positive attention toward great formative films like this in an, in a good and fun commercial way. And that that's like the more intangible thing that I think is great about the social media, uh, social media, physical media resurgence of, <laughs> Yeah, of like these last few years. So yeah, fuck social media. Jesus Christ, man. that's what that's what's killing fucking media. Do you collect Criterion's? Yeah, I've got a couple. I, it's it's weird because, uh, you know, I love what they do, but I I can't say I liken myself as one of those you know, patrician Criterion types. There's a lot of great films in there, but at the same right. time. Uh, they they pick very specific films, and a lot of them are just ones that I would normally fall asleep to. But like, um, I've got I've got Night of the Living Dead from the Criterion Collection. I've got Hausu. Then I have the Friends of Eddie Coyle, and oh, nice. I think that's yeah. And I think that's it for my Criterion. I I would grab like maybe their Eraserhead release, um, then something like Barry Lyndon, yeah, but. I, what they have over a thousand in their library and just yeah it, i think they kind of pride themselves a little too much in just like snoozy art house at times and well, that's what turns me off as opposed to something like arrow back in the day when they were releasing films on laserdisc they kind of had a monopoly and they would get films like taxi driver or akira or the godfather raging all of these like big films i don't think it's necessarily a case of they're specifically trying to go with more uh, low-key foreign films or, or what have you. I think it's just a matter of licensing has gotten more complicated since the 80s when it comes to physical media releases. So now they're starting to get movies like 
uh, more from Scorsese's collection. Yeah, they're getting like Parasite, Marriage Story, Netflix releases that wouldn't otherwise have physical media um, entries, you know. So I, I think that plays a part as well. And I mean, if you if you think back to 1998, 1999, they had Armageddon in the collection. I have a copy of that on DVD, as a matter of fact. <laughs> and also mm-hmm. The Rock. I mean, so there, there's kind of funny, weird entries in the collection. But um, I think they've been on a roll lately with their physical releases. They had John Cassavetti's Husband's release on Blu-ray only last month. And then this month, only a couple of days ago, they released a a restoration of come and see, which was a fairly rare to find um, Soviet Russia film from the eighties. One of the most grisly war films ever made. Uh, I remember watching that. I think when I lived in Germantown on, on my computer, my little Dell laptop, and it was like a really shitty 360 P quality (laughs) video. Um, So I'm, I'm pretty stoked about the fact that that's going to get a proper Blu-ray release and, has been remastered well, in I mean, 4K. It, does, it doesn't matter until they put out Con Air. Oh, so. yes, of course. Well, with, they need to complete the <laughs> late 90s collection of action films. We can only hope. You see, yeah, Con Air would be, would be something that would benefit from, like, Shout Factory. Because I, yeah. I know Criterion has a great reputation for a good reason, but I think they've got to they've gotta step up their game. Because, for example, I just bought the... Um, um, the most recent version of Big Trouble in Little China, not too long ago, that a Shout Factory put out. And that one is loaded with, like, what, six to ten hours of, of great features, interviews, a commentary between John Carp- Carpenter and Kurt Russell where they essentially don't even pay attention to the movie and just shoot the shit for two hours. Um, I just got the reissue of Escape from L.A. or the remaster of Escape from L.A. and They've got a lot of stuff on there. So, yeah, there, there's definitely a bar being set by rival companies. And I think, again, to go back to what I was saying before about Criterion, is there, all these different distributors, I think, are kind of leaning in on niches, which is also a good idea, I think. And that, that's why I think um, Criterion is really kind of putting itself in one direction. It's definitely savvy, though. I can't even say that it isn't. Um, but yeah, I, I think the diversity now is a leg up that we have that maybe we didn't 20, 22, 25 years ago. The diversity in these different distributors, which it's kind of weird to think because that's the way we considered the days of old. Like back in the 90s and earlier on, there were all these small home video market companies and we think it's all been monopolized today. And I, I would say I'm a victim of that mindset sometimes as well, that, oh, everything's corporatized and whatever. But no, we, we've been proven and shown that um, there is a longing for that, again, that, that real kind of um, independent spirit when it comes to distri- distribution and that these companies do have to compete to survive rather than being universal and putting out a low effort DVD just to boost your, uh, your profits. You actually touched on something with Criterion that I've been thinking for a while, which is that uh, as good as their releases may have been as of recent, their special features for the most part have a lot to be desired. Like the husband's Blu-ray was uh, okay by like modern Blu-ray standards. It had a couple of like do- mini documentary features, but you can buy a disc and the only special feature that might be on there are some production notes or theatrical trailer and you, when that when it, when that's the case and it's not like a super rare film, 
or uh, something that is hard to find in decent quality, you know, you do wind up asking yourself, like, why did I pay $27 for this disc? Just mm-hmm. so I could have it, like, in uniform with everything else. They have been slacking on that end of things. And even with the Criterion Channel streaming service, you know, it's $10 a month. There's a lot of great movies on there. But a lot of what they are buying up right now and putting on there seem very politically driven and mm-hmm. obscure in kind of like a, well, whose taste is this? sort of manner you know they have access to so many great films they had like for a while it's like the paul schrader collection you have last temptation of christ and taxi driver and all these movies a lot of which aren't even in the collection they're putting on their streaming service and that's great and then you know you check out the following month and it's like i can't even really give you a decent example it's really just very very niche stuff that appeals to russian the Russian movies, Dao, Dua, no, <laughs> Dao Cinema. That's what they should acquire next is Dao Cinema. Yeah. Oh, Dao boy. movement. It's just a 40 minute shot of a Russian man eating cereal. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would prefer that. I, you know, but um, there, there's a lot to be tuned up with Criterion at this moment in time. And if it doesn't wind up impacting their, their bottom line, I would be surprised, even if in a, a minor way. I know one of their go-to uh, essayists for their website and somebody who contributes a lot in terms of like booklets or what have you. Actually, I bought one recently, and the the pamphlet or whatever inside was written by Armand White of uh, you know film criticism fame, the best, the last great film critic. Uh, I forget which one. I'd, I'd have to. Oh wait, I think it was I think it was Cassavetti's Faces, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't, I can't say that for certain, but, um, you know, they, they do have certain good things like that, but they really get to change some, some things with their streaming platform. Uh, well, you- I, I mean, again, uh, it, it's just all about today right now. It, it, it pays off and you, you can see it. It's transcendent pretty much in every aspect of entertainment and beyond that. It, it's a really transcendent idea of leaning into niches. And I think you're just going to see, it could be a good thing, could be a bad thing, but I think you're going to see, again, these entities really just lean into, hey, we do this one thing and we do it better than anybody else because that's our thing. And you're going to see, you're going to see from Criterion, they're going to get items or, enti- or properties like you know, Black Swan was the first one that popped into my head. It's going to be stuff like that. It's going to be, again, that very, or like another one I could see would be, um, Jackie, the movie about like Jackie Kennedy or whatever. They're going to lean into that uh, stuff because no, because nobody else like really does that. Or, you know, those very poignant kind of social pieces and whatnot, especially when you have distributors again, like shout, scream, arrow, Severin that, that are just scooping up all these genre heavy properties and, and owning them. There's gotta be somebody that's going to pick up the, Again, the misunderstood, like, I watched one Andy Warhol film, you know, fake film student crowd. Somebody's going to have to sell to them. Like Xavier Dolan? Is that his name? Oh, yeah, that's that's exactly. <laughs> that's one of them. <laughs> what, was his, what was his movie? Mother? Or Mom? Mommy? Mommy? Yeah. Isn't it Mommy? I, I don't know. I've never, I I've actually never watched any of Xavier Dolan's films, but I've seen like gifts and whatnot on Tumblr. And I'm like, that's enough for me. It's very, pretentious. I just, I hate his, I hate his name so much. I think it's such a pretentious name that it makes me not want to see anything he does, especially when you look at the names of the movies too. 
it's probably a moniker. His name is probably just like like Harrison or something like that. Like something, Harrison something white, something white bread. <laughs> oh, he's Canadian. Oh, well, never mind. Uh, oh, he's okay. best known nowadays as the uh, the gay man who is murdered at the beginning of It Chapter Two. So, oh, that was oh, that was him. That was him. Oh, okay. Mummy. Mom, it was, yes. Yeah. Okay. Great. The Mummy. I'm not Wonderful. watching a movie that's almost <laughs> under any circumstances. He directed Brendan Fraser's Mummy. <laughs> Very uh, personal experience. drama. Uh, what was the last movie that you guys purchased in a physical format? Well, again, like I said, I, I had that bulk purchase uh, a couple months ago. and it, There were a variety. I got uh, Death Wish, Every Which Way But Loose, um, Please defend Death Wish right now, because, again, I watched this movie for the first time, right? I saw Eli Roth's Death Wish before this, and Hans, I know you watched that. You love that movie. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I watched, <laughs> so I watched the remake of Death Wish on a, on a plane, uh, not a plane, on a bus going from New York to Boston because they cut off my Wi-Fi. They do that after 30 minutes, and they're like, but we have movies. You can watch movies. You can eat up as much Wi-Fi as you want if you watch a movie on our page. And I watched the Eli Roth one. And it was so boring and yeah. so void of any kind of style. Bland. You know, yep. his his earlier movies are fun uh, for what they are. And that, I've come that, around on him. That that didn't feel anything at all like an Eli Roth. That felt like a well, very director for hire type deal. But hold on a second. To my point with the original Death Wish, I start watching the original Death Wish with Charles Bronson, Jeff Goldblum, that one guy from the Friends of Eddie Coyle. I'm like, yeah, I'm vibing this. I'm into this. This is great. There's some lines here where the dude's like, oh, it, 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 the homeless people should be Holocaust. I'm like, I think that was Kenny's notion once upon a time. You know, that <laughs> popped up in a BuzzFeed article or something. Um, and I'm like, I'm, I'm with it. And then we see like the transformation of the Charles Bronson character. And then it doesn't go anywhere. And then it's just him gunning down criminals that aren't related at all to the rape and murder, you know? And it's just like, well, okay, so he's just he's just killing thugs now. And then he's, he's he gets bullied out of New York. It's like, what the fuck? How did you drop the ball so hard with that? You fumbled this whole movie. I, I would argue against that. And uh, part of that argument would be if you, if you go through the series, if you keep on going, it turns into something just so utterly awesome by like the third movie that- By the third movie? There's, I mean, I've seen that there was like a CBS original film of Death Wish starring uh, Charles Bronson when he's like 80 years old and it was made the, for TV. The last, one, the last one, Death Wish 5, was in 94, 20 yeah. years after yeah. the original. So Bronson was about 72, 73. And, uh, okay, I, I, oh, Jesus, let me back up a second. So Death <laughs> Wish, the original Death Wish is great because, it, for one, it, it has the uh, character transformation Sure. Uh, two, it's it's unabashedly 1970s New York in every yeah. shape and form. The social unrest, uh, you know, yeah. the, the friction between the public and the police, the the bourgeoisie, condescending attitudes toward things like gun ownership or like you know just individual protection and stuff like that. And it's it's compelling because it's this again this bourgeoisie kind of you know schlub Paul Kersey that's played stoic brilliant by uh, by Bronson and so so yeah character transformation is great it's like yeah it, it's not necessarily to shoot him up 
like Assault on Precinct 13 grindhouse movie, but it's an honest film about shit that happens in the real world and that people aren't willing to pay attention to. And it's, it's about the gratifying experience of seeing a guy who has no business kind of being in this world who's forced to uh, come to terms with the idea that, well, maybe society isn't out to protect you. And especially when you have a young Jeff Goldblum running around raping woman, that's scary enough yeah, as is. Yeah, I mean, but uh, let's think about that. If they had so just good. called, you know, a social worker to handle Goldblum after that, I think it would have been just <laughs> fine, you know? I don't know. It's, I, I couldn't believe when I saw him in that film. I was like, wow, that's that's like a 21-year-old so Jeff Goldblum, and he still looks 37. And and he wins. Uh, He's the ultimate winner in that. He gets his, his rape yep. in, and he does a murder, and then he just lives happy, carefree, has a great movie career. Jurassic Park. Yeah. The ultimate winner. <laughs> and uh, no, but it's, it's, So after, that, after the first death wish, I think I want to say it was about – Hmm, maybe eight or nine years until they made the second. And then, so it was already in the 80s by the time they started the series back up. And by then, they knew exactly which direction to take it because the second one is pretty decent. The third is where it gets crazy. And The, the, the third, third I've the, seen a trailer to, and it looked like Mad Max, essentially. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's a hell of a lot of fun. The fourth one is... When does it get romantic? Where does he find love again? That was the rape <laughs> scene in the first one. That's the the extent of it. No, 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 because his wife gets killed, right? So, so I'm sure there's one. Doesn't it just keep repeating? Her. Doesn't he get married again and she gets raped and murdered again over with every film? I, five I, wives, spoil, murdered spoil and raped. It. Five movies, yeah, five movies, and Bronson is with five different women that all get axed. But it's like, come on, it's a point. Yeah, it's formula. It's. A, I'm not saying, Unlucky. well, listen, you want to go watch, you listen, you want to go sniff your farts and watch your criteria on bullshit. <laughs> your fucking three yeah, hour take. I want, I want Death Wish 5 on criteria. Fine, go ahead and do that. That's right. Me, I'm going to watch Charles Bronson kill Lawrence Fishburne at 23 yeah. years old. Listen, now that we want to talk about art, let me just show you my latest or the last purchase I made, which is the season two of Bird Notice in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Does that say four discos? Yeah, it's four discs. I, I uh, wish everybody could see this because you know what that represents right there? That represents the darkest days of home video and physical media. <laughs> USA releases. Like, God damn. Wow. What a fucking stale cracker ass show. So <laughs> Hans just opened up this four disc case. They all they fit it into one DVD case. And let me tell you, anytime they would do that, it would be the flimsiest fucking plastic on the inside. Yeah. They'd break off and then you'd just have a disc that would be shooting around the inside. Terrible. But yeah. I mean any any show that can make yeah. Bruce Campbell uninteresting, everybody involved with it needs oh, to be a how dare you <laughs> no, no no my point being no i love this <laughs> show <laughs> jake's on fire because we were criticizing oh, death Bruce Wish Campbell now. should not be in such a oh uh, i'm the only person i know that has seen every episode and the movie <laughs> wow. they made a movie out of that yeah, yeah, yeah the they, movie they, the movie it doesn't even have the main guy it's just bruce campbell no, right it's bruce campbell yeah okay yeah. see just, that's forget what happened it yeah yeah okay that sounds doable at least bruce campbell had a run of direct dvd movies i feel like in the mid to late aughts like he had my name is uh, my name is bruce bubba hotep 
that burn notice movie. Shame he doesn't keep up to that, huh? Bubba Hotep is fantastic. That's one of the most diamond in the rough, like unicorn movies ever. And see that that's the reason why physical media is important because yeah, you you'll occasionally see Bubba Hotep. If you have like the niche channels, like I kind of do on sling, like epics or, um, if you have shutter, like you might get lucky and be able to see that once in a while, but physical media is the gateway to seeing a lot of these fantastic movies, especially if you're somebody that's deep into genre films, like you're not really like the criterion type or whatnot. Physical media is the means to that end where you can, you can find anything you want and you can have unlimited access to it. Like, um, Again, like another Don Coscarelli movie, like the Phantasm series. That's one that you'll almost never see on regular cable television. You'll see it once in a while on niche streaming channels. Again, like um, Shudder or whether it's like um, El Rey Network, which is the um, Robert Rodriguez TV station. Like mm. you, You'll see it once in a while on things like that if you're lucky. But aside from that, that's where the idea of keeping physical media alive in this resurgence we're talking about t- tonight is super important because it it just makes you better versed i mean if movies are your thing or if even if you're just like kind of the casual you know movie buff or whatever it's it's really the way to flex your muscles and to just be way better versed on the variety of stuff that's out there now you had mentioned before when we were talking about like gone with the wind and whatnot have you ever considered buying some physical media copies of certain movies that maybe you don't have a specific interest in, but just might be harder to come by in especially good quality in the years to come. Like, yeah, we're talking about, I mean, Hans, you, you download movies and that's essentially your way uh, of owning something. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. But even <laughs> if you download a torrent of a film, you know, for example, I downloaded a 1080p copy of Blade Runner twenty. 20- 49 once upon a time and it wasn't really 1080p you don't get the 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 pristine quality or the natural look of the film it winds up getting pixelated you're getting something inferior the audio shit a lot of the time they're just like dvd rips essentially um and there's a big difference between that and owning something so jake have you thought about that like maybe just buying gone with the wind even if you're not a gone with the wind fan just just to have it and have something that might may be valuable down the road, either to yourself or to culture at large. No, totally. Uh, I even did consider throwing a gun with the wind in my, uh, in my cart online, but same time I was like, all right, well, everybody's going to be doing that. So right. I think I'm going to be okay. It, it, it's a great piece, you know, as a student of film, it's a, it's a great piece to have in your collection anyway. But more recently, what I've actually thought about is, um, and I do have an interest in it, but, classic noir films because they really don't get a platform again you might see one or two that are on criterion and then oh my god i'm I'm sorry let's just pause you own titus the fox tv show from 2002 seasons one and two on dvd (laughs) this is terrible hans i don't understand where you get off criticizing any movie that we've ever this talked about my... when you own Titus oh, no, no, no. and Burn Notice. This is my this is my taste before I started actually liking movies. <laughs> I would just go and buy whatever the fuck. I have basketball. I have... Oh, uh, oh basketball, that makes the cut, in my opinion. 
the the Zagalifanakis out cold. I've never even heard of that. That that one, funny story about that one, if you want to talk physical media. I rented that fucking movie from Blockbuster in like, you know, 2003 or something like that. I don't know why. I think my cousin, who's five years older than me at the time, was like, hey, I'm a teenager and I only watch cool, retarded teenager movies. Let's get this shitty ass looking bullshit. And it is. (laughs) It is it is the absolute stereotype of any early aughts teen gross out comedy. Yeah. And th- th- yep. This was my introduction to Zach Galifianakis, and when everybody flipped out when he was in The Hangover, I was like, "Oh, I know that fucking retard." He was in he was in Out Cold, where he played a big dumb Greek idiot for the third time already. Wow, uh, Robert Altman's Popeye movie. Amazing. Yeah. Now that that's a classic that you should have that, uh, preserved. That's kind of Kino, like the set design and everything. Oh is, yeah, is yeah, it's fantastic on that film. <laughs> that's <laughs> worthy of having in your collection. <laughs> that was Shelley Duvall's other notable performance. Yeah. But while Hans sifts through his stuff, I'll say really quickly. Yeah, um, I was thinking about picking up some classic noir films. I have a few on the shelf, but nobody really gives them a platform. You might be lucky. Well, if you have like Turner Classic movies, which I actually have on Sling, you'll be able to to watch quite a few. But that's I don't another even one like Out like, Cold Grind. Grind, what's it, like uh, that? Had of Dogtown ripoff, or there was a skateboarding teen comedy from like two thousand five, two thousand six, with that guy from Rat Race who was Seth Green's partner in that movie. Dak Shepard? No, 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 no. Dak Shepard was in, in Rat Race. It was some was, dude who's never worked again. He was in those two uh, movies, and that was it. Yeah, so, again, like, uh, Turner Classic, you're going to get those kind of films, but you're not going to get them on any viable streaming platform. Or, you know, the, the closest you're going to get, and it's not even a film noir, is like Casablanca on Netflix. That's as close as you're going to get to anything from, like, the golden era, if you want to say, of Hollywood and I think that, and that's definitely an era that needs to be historically uh, kept together as is. If you think to a classic Cagney films or Bogart films or anything like that, um, that definitely needs to be preserved, especially for its quality. Uh, so that that that's a rabbit hole I'd like to go down soon in terms of collecting, because uh, yeah, there, there's something to say about noir films, and they don't really get any kind of real exposure today to a mainstream audience mm-hmm. hans are you just enjoying your collection what is this i am yeah. you, you, you think i was <laughs> yeah you think i was kidding no no no, no wait hold on a second. <laughs> hold on hold on so hans just showed us a copy of wacky races that is another property that i'll go to bat for that you know now maybe not everybody should have it in their collection but <laughs> Hanna, hanna-barbera cartoons i think from the 60s and 70s need to be uh those need to be preserved as well like in some way mm-hmm. the boomerang app actually has most of those shows and yeah I, I actually did a trial of the boomerang app um but yeah those are other formative classics that need to be uh oh um what richard okay, linkley just showed us School of, he, he just showed us school of rock <laughs> what do we think about that should we preserve that one uh well listen i mean a, a lot of my purchase decisions are geared towards who the filmmaker is. So I'm, I'm somebody who's like a completionist where, you, you know, I, if I'm a fan of William Friedkin, for example, I'll want to own everything that William Friedkin has directed. And I'm getting pretty close to that point. 
or Brian De Palma or anybody like that. Richard Linklater is one of those quintessential 90s filmmakers who I'm not personally a fan of him. But maybe, you know, even his more commercial efforts like that or Bad News Bears uh, deserve some kind of, you know, preservation to them. And that's not to say School of Rock is a bad movie either. I, I mean, I haven't watched it in like it's, 15 it's actually, years. It's fine. Me neither, but from what I remember, I mean, that's not even a bad movie. It's just kind of like, eh, that's a, eh, yeah, maybe I'll throw that on the shelf. But What do you I guys think know. of The Warriors or The Last Dragon? The, the, excuse me? The Warriors or The Last Dragon? What is The Last Dragon? Bruce Leroy? You don't know Bruce? Oh, my <laughs> God. You've shown off? You guys don't know shown off? You guys are so white. There was this movie in the 80s where they tried to uh, take advantage of the whole Bruce Lee craze. So they made a movie about this black guy uh, in New York called Bruce Leroy who did karate. And he went against I his dojo master. About, I thought you were up. talking about the dude uh, on YouTube that tried to do a backflip and split his head open. Oh, no, 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 no. Bruce, Bruce Leroy. I can't believe you guys have never seen The Last you're Dragon. It's such an... you're, you're talking black exploitation right now? No, 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 no. It's it's like a like a martial arts movie, but instead of being a nation guy, it's a it's a black character that acts like an Asian from the eighties in movies. You know where they're very zen and very like. I do karate and he dresses like an Asian and, and he gets the girl at the end and he has to fight this guy called Shonov who has powers at the end and the power of the glow. Oh my God, I can't believe you guys are that. Actually sounds, that actually sounds pretty awesome. It's great. It's it's great in a not great way, I guess. Uh, but yeah, you guys should... I think that Jake would definitely love it. I Maybe... Low risk, but here's yeah. here's a new movie that uh, I think everybody should have on their shelf now, especially given the critical response it got last year. Um, I don't see it going on many streaming services. Surprise of the year, the new Shaft movie from 2019. I just watched that. That's one that maybe you should put on your shelf because <laughs> it, the way critics treated it is, I think, very indicative of how a streaming service would treat it. It. it that is a hell of a movie. Uh, so there you go. I, I might do a, a podcast on that soon. Uh, there's even new movies to this to this point that we're making. So uh, oh, not that's, everything that's, is sanitized these days. That's familiar. Hans keeps holding up uh, <laughs> holding up DVDs and DVD covers to the the cam here. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Jake. No, it's pretty much done. It's just that yeah, th- this whole criteria of kind of almost blackballing certain movies or whatever it's i mean it's definitely kind of a thing so it's always keep your eyes peeled and uh you know keep an ear to what's really being subversive because a lot of subversive stuff it's obviously controversial so it's not going to see streaming platforms and whatnot and again that's why physical media is important for people that really value entertainment so i i want to try to speak to the average regular consumer right now that isn't a fucking weird freak like one of us and mm-hmm. doesn't pride themselves <laughs> on the stuff 24 hours a day i mean you, you have to i guess just prioritize how much entertainment really matters to you because if you're somebody that just mindlessly kind of sits on the couch gets fatter and watches netflix yeah would you care if your if your favorite show was pulled off of that streaming service because Maybe one of the characters is too close to like this stereotype or this archetype. 
So that's the question I would put out to like the normie kind of world is do you do you have a line or what is it? Did you just kind of go with the market as it is or does entertainment have a tangible value to you beyond just a, a quick distraction while you're eating dinner? And if the answer is yes, then it's well, then you should consider collecting or building up a personal library. I think it's definitely worthwhile to venture into that. Hans, your your folding of that booklet full of discs is so distracting. <laughs> well, let me, I, I know. Fuck you, Hans. Uh, no, I no, got no, fucking here's a, two DVD here's version a, of Orgasmo. Come on, guys. Oh, no. You know what? No. Again, that's worthy. <laughs> Anything by Trey Parker and Matt Stone uh, is uh, worthy beca- because uh, – Definitely in this day and age, who knows if they're going to be erased. Uh, here's here's another anecdote I'll make, though. I do pride myself on, like, my taste in music and whatnot. Maybe not as much as I do in films, but I'm, a, I'm such a fucking weirdo and physical media hound that I've been racking up CDs for the last couple of years, which, Ugh. you know, CD, CDs are put out now as a contingency because people more people are buying vinyls now than CDs, yeah, right. which is actually kind of cool. And it's it's been great. I'll give I'll give a little quick story here. I was at the um, Mystic Disc Record Store in Mystic, Connecticut, about two years ago, and the guy somehow was able to keep his store open for thirty five straight years. And I asked him, "Well, you know, what's up? When did you see the change?" And he said, "Around twenty thirteen, he noticed people were getting back into it." And that's why I said this trend has been actually more on set uh, recently than than maybe we thought. It's uh it's been definitely picking up steam over the years but yeah like i'm one of those weirdos that i get cds and whatnot because you think of like apple and then spotify and stuff and i i don't subscribe to any of those services i find them redundant and oh you know kind of kind of vacuous and their libraries are really terrible uh you're not going to be able to find a lot of what you want to listen to on these on these streaming services like amazon music spotify apple like you know fucking motorhead put out i don't know over a dozen studio albums i think and you can maybe find three of them on like spotify or amazon music or something like that or like you know i got a hard to get copy recently of a dio album and it's like who spotify is not putting fucking dio albums on neither is anything like that so like that's where it is important because especially if you're part of a niche crowd, which I'd say all of us on this show kind of are, you know, you're, you're going to find yourself ostracized because if you don't go with the top 40 hits or the top five selling Marvel movies or whatever, you're going to find yourself at odds to really consume what you like, unless you go out of your way to find it. Do you think there's going to come a point where they deliberately hide certain, uh, series or, or, movies or or what have you as opposed to just like we're going to scrub out this little scene here do you think there's going to come a point where they just completely suppress it to the best of their ability i guess it depends on what you mean by hide does it mean like keep it available but no no i'm saying like they want to remove all channels of availability to the best they can i'm sure there's already examples of that out there but again birth of a nation right no, birth of, nation, birth of a Nation. Birth of a Nation got restored uh, somewhat recently over the past couple of years. I think by Kino Lorbar, who is a similar manuf- uh, distributor, excuse me, to Criterion, where they kind of deal in the more 
snobby films that maybe Criterion doesn't want to touch. I don't think Criterion has any of D.W. Griffith's uh, filmography in there, at least at, the, at this current moment in time. And that would be something to snatch up because it's in the public domain. Did you guys ever ever watch the? Oh, we should remake it. Um, do you guys <laughs> do you guys ever watch <laughs> oh, the, the the remake that came out a couple of years ago? No, no that wasn't a remake. They no. just took the title. Talk about one that was kind of oh. squelched, huh? From it was that was one that was essentially hidden yeah. from You're the right. public because of what came out allegedly about Nat Turner. So that's yeah, that's kind of a good modern example. I mean, yeah, that's. That's an interesting one. Well, but the story with that, with, uh, with Nat Turner was he was part of like a group of friends that had gang raped uh, his girlfriend or something. And then she wound up killing herself later on. And um, yeah, that, that really sucked the wind out of that movie and it's odds of winning best picture <laughs> well, that year. He, he was also seen as like the next big director he was like jordan yeah. peele before jordan peele came out yeah or the, the that... black panther guy what's his name uh oh kugler uh, oh let's go yeah. off on an aside about him that's somebody who the studio has completely killed i am so discouraged about the direction ryan kugler is going he's a guy that would have put out 10 more movies all of them would have went to criterion collection because he's an extraordinarily capable and um sound filmmaker God, how the how the industry has eaten him up, and they're going to spit him out. I say in less than three years. I feel bad for that poor guy. I mean that that's the trajectory of the modern filmmaker who shows any any talent whatsoever. I mean they did that with uh, somebody established like like your your favorite uh, Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon, what has he come up with as of late? You know he went and worked for the Mouse for a while, and now. Well, now you don't see much of him at all in the media. You just see him on Twitter. Well, yeah, but the thing about him is that he used his niche, which was really one thing, okay? He got Buffy off the ground, so he has credit for that. Firefly is a pretty decent series. Um, you know, he, he did a competent rewrite on the first Toy Story, Toy Story film. But aside from that, I mean, the dude just had the same tricks that he pulled out of the hat over and over again. And it's like when... You watch enough of his stuff, you're like, yeah, he's really not that good besides the yeah. one or two things he did. And it's, I think studios even realize that. They're like, let's get this fucking orangutan-looking bastard out of the fucking picture. <laughs> We're sick of him. Well, Jesus. Uh, on that note, I think we've covered a lot of ground <laughs> with our physical media discussion. What do, you, what do you think is the most enjoyable form of physical media? Well, the one thing I actually do collect is now that Jake mentioned was vinyl, mostly because when I was little, <clears throat> I would go to my grandparents' house and I fucked up his record player because I did the DJ thing too oh, much. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Geez. I was like, oh, this sounds like a DJ. Cool. And then I broke it. Uh, but then I've always been interested in how big the art is and like just the physicality of it and how you can, if you hang it on a wall, it kind of looks like a painting. And yep. the fact that... The fact that they started releasing newer um, artists' music, that caught me. So, like, the only thing that I've collected recently is just records. Uh, I don't even listen to them most of the time because I do have the digital files. They Most of them come with a, with a download uh, Link code, code, so you yeah. just download them. Yeah, but just to have them as a collector, uh, that's, that's the one. That, yeah, that I've, you, I've you look me. like a guy who would collect vinyl. <laughs> 
Yeah. No, no, I'll I'll, uh, I'll piggyback off that and then throw in another kind of little thing that I've been doing. Uh, vinyl's great because, I mean, we're, you know, this is going to sound like the snobby thing to say, but if you actually look at the technology, it's it's the best form of audio quality because it doesn't have any of the compressed wavelengths that CDs and especially like MP3s that you'll download off iTunes will have. And you're you're getting a beautiful master of the of the actual uh, song, especially if you listen to older music. Like if you listen to old heavy metal, like I do, you can hear all the texture in the albums and hear that unabashed artistry and um, work that was put into it. And then I th- just think the technology is cool. Of uh, you know, be sure that if you get a record player, don't get one of those cheap manufactured ones because they have plastic and tips on the stylus. What you want is you want something that's like ruby or diamond, because if you get the plastic one, it's going to scratch up your record over time and degrade the quality. But if you get like a, room, a ruby or diamond stylus, and you can get these for like 200 bucks for a good record player, you're going to get that quality indefinitely. But the other thing I do is on occasion, uh, I'll get or I'll try to scrounge up off eBay for cheap some classic old like VHSs that are in good quality. VHS is a fun little thing to kind of dive back into because it's a niche, but if you kind of play the field right, you can find pretty inexpensive copies. Like, I got a mint condition copy on VHS about a year ago of John Carpenter's Dark Star, his first film. Oh, wow. I got it for about maybe $3 on on eBay in mint condition, packaging, and everything. And that's a fun little thing to do. And, um, I mean, especially for those movies like that like uh, i do have dark star and dvd as well those are ones that are going to be a little bit tougher to get in high quality format unless somebody like shout factory steps in which they probably will at some point but criterion actually has that on their streaming service i wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility that they would issue it since they do have the streaming license at this time but not to mention uh there's been i mean lores you know as well as anybody uh, there has been a real kind of fawning resurgence over the idea of VHS art. That's yeah. another fun, fun thing to do when you get the actual copies. You're not looking at a cosplay. You're looking at the real thing. It's not this mock item. So that's another fun thing to do. Yeah, I've gotten into the habit in the past, especially of like picking out older VHS tapes, like when they didn't quite figure out the medium when it hadn't peaked just yet, and they would sell it to you in this thick clamshell that was mm-hmm. typically like later on reserved for maybe Disney cases or, or films of that sort. But a lot of the Warner brothers mm-hmm. releases from the 1980s, like blazing saddles, the shining come in that, that clamshell sort of case and have like weird graphic design on the front. And a lot of the time it's just like, it's a pattern. And then they throw on one image that is like maybe Jack Nicholson's face in the door or the Blazing Saddles poster. And it's like a different size each time. Like you can tell they didn't really have much of an idea of what they were doing and whatever editing program they had. But uh, it, it, I don't know. It's a cool little aesthetic thing to just have on your shelf. What were you going to add, Hans? You look like you were about to speak up about something. You were just enjoying oh, the, no, no. I was just gonna, over there. I, I, I'm enjoying the conversation. I, I was going to ask if you guys have a, a VHS player. I have a I, do. I have a VCR that I plucked out of the garbage like eight years ago, and uh, the remote doesn't work, and a lot of the time it eats the the videotape. So I don't use it as frequently as I'd like to, and it's hard to get like a really good working VCR nowadays because they're all out of print. So I got one 
again, I got it off eBay. It's this big motherfucker. It's a VHS DVD combo player. And I got it because, it, like I said, I, I lost my old one from when I was growing up and whatnot. And uh, I was getting all these kind of classic VHS tapes and whatever. And, you know, and I was like, oh shit, I don't even have something to watch these on to like catch up. I had like copies of movies like Wolfen, which that's one you're not going to find on many formats. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I want to watch this. So I grabbed one off eBay, I think, for about $30 and works really well. I actually, since I'm still waiting on a Blu-ray player, um, I've watched a few DVDs in it recently and it plays it just fine. No issues. I synced up a universal remote to it like nothing. And yeah, so still going. Yeah, that's something I would really like to invest in at some point is just getting a better working DVD, uh, not DVD player, VCR and also a region-free Blu-ray player is something that is especially beneficial. Now, you know, if you want to buy uh, Region B locked Blu-rays, like I have This Is England 86 and 88 on Region B Blu-ray. And for whatever reason, it just doesn't function with the television or what have you because of the 1080i format. Something just doesn't register. So sometimes you're going to run into that problem. But it is one of the best investments you can make is getting that region-free player so you're not landlocked to whatever North America has to offer. Uh, and Blu-ray you know, is a little looser in that regard because I'm pretty sure Japan is the same region as the United States as far as releases go. I might be wrong about that, but in the past, I know that DVDs were a complete different region and you, know, you would just wind up with a whole lot of mess as far as that goes if you yeah. bought anything international. And also, I mean, to go back to Arrow real quick, most of their like big releases were originally Region B. They were UK releases when they came out. So that's something that uh, could be great for any collector. So I got the regions here, if you care. Sure. Region A is North South America, U.S. territories, Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, yeah. and some South Asian countries. B is Europe, Africa, Middle East, Australia, and New Zealand. And the C is any other Asian country that's not Japan, Korea, Taiwan, and the other ones. <laughs> I wonder what Blu-rays Africa is putting out. Have you seen any Africa region Blu-rays? I haven't. I haven't. Wow. No. I'm, I'm Ventura when nature calls. Uh, what about the Wakaliwood guys? Maybe. That would, that would be pretty cool. The, I would Nollywood. like that. But I mean, uh, you know, you, you take a look at, what, what, just to get in the cover art, since I was talking about that before with videotapes, uh, a lot of the Region A stuff, specifically to North America for Blu-ray, is extremely lazy, and they feel the need to talk down to you as if you didn't know it was a Blu-ray and put that blue bar at the top of the art that says Blu-ray and then also DVD or whatever. And if, it, if it's just the Blu-ray, they'll just put Blu-ray. How redundant. You know what? Yeah, to, to, yeah, to piggyback on that again really quick, I know, Lorez, you went down the rabbit hole maybe about a year or two ago about how badly American releases are designed on, like, these Region A discs and whatnot. Yeah. And that's another reason to go to bat for these uh, these these niche distributors. Like, yeah. uh, again, Shout Factory and whatnot, they all hire independent artists to, to, create their, um, to create their cover art and whatnot. And a lot of it's really cool. Like, again, to jump back, I can – Shout Factory is almost um, famous for – their their custom designs and whatnot but then you know when you talk about the ones i mentioned from arrow like last house on the left or the hills have eyes 
super aesthetically pleasing. And that's definitely part of it. Again, when you have people over and you bring them over and you show them the movie shelf and whatnot, it's the same energy that attracted us at kids when we would go to the video store. We'd be like, oh, well, what movie looks cool? Well, not that one with the shitty cover art. It's just a fucking, you know, Tim Allen and what's that chick that did the Slim Fast? Uh, Kirstie Alley movie. Uh, wow. So what a pool. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, you'd pass by that stuff because it was vague, and then you go down to where the stuff is a little more out there and crazy, and that's the stuff you remember. And so, yeah, the, these niche distributors get it, whether it's, they're doing it out of nostalgia or just out of advantageous uh, means, which I would, I would argue the second. I mean, that that's another part of this resurgence that's that's a little bit of fun absolutely and uh you know i don't think shout factory always nails it with the cover art but all their cover art is reversible with the original theatrical poster as well which is a nice touch is that you, they give you that kind of option there which i certainly appreciate I like how sometimes they make bundles too, where they include like a poster of the art and it's just like an extender, bigger version of it. And sometimes they even do statues or like action figures of the character. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a couple of those actually. I have, um, so I got the Shout Factory release of Halloween 3, which came with a poster. And then I got the one of Escape from LA, which came with the poster. It's super cool. Like I still, I still need room to hang those up, but again, and then you appreciate the design and the actual passion that goes into it it's like yeah see it feels a lot more geared toward the consumer rather than just the bottom line of this major conglomerate because you know that's not who you're really patronizing Mm -hmm. uh is there anything else you guys wanted to add to the discussion regarding physical media uh, hit up a video store if there's one nearby, like for rentals and whatnot. Again, I live about 15 minutes down the road from a family video, and it's it's definitely a better means in a lot of ways of even if you're just doing a rental. Like, come on, pay pay the two fucking dollars. Like, you know, as opposed to the $15 a month you spend on Netflix, to it's become a meme now to literally scroll for 45 minutes or an hour to it's pick this piece of shit mm-hmm. yeah to what uh, to what to watch the fucking office again like come on go down to a privately owned store or whatever where people are actually trying to provide you quality because it's a business and and patronize that you'll you'll probably find something you like you'd, you'd be surprised yes uh i mean right now we're we're currently in a time also where physical media sales i mean the price of these things are higher than they were maybe seven months ago. So uh, what what I would say is with that in mind, and also the fact that uh, certain Blu-ray manufacturers are deciding to you know, end their business as far as that goes, because it, it still is a, a fairly niche medium to just buy things and not simply rely on streaming. Uh, I would buy buy, 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 buy as many movies you enjoy as possible while they are still available. And especially before they're deemed offensive to imaginary parties, you know, uh, Hans, no, you're, you're right. (laughs) You're correct. Hans, I I hear you're on parlor nowadays or parlay that new cool app. (laughs) 
I got banned already. They're going to sue me because I said the N-word. <laughs> <laughs> Are they, they're doing that already. Like, they already went to, you know, when you sign the, the terms of services, there's one thing where it says that if they get sued, you're accountable for what you said. Yeah. So it's not even, yeah. But, so it's so not, not even a I'm platform. Not... It's yeah. It's a public okay. square. They're playing by yeah. those rules. So uh... Remember the other one? What was the other one called? Gab, Gab dot AI. Yeah. That one's dead. Whatever happened to that? <laughs> they had a shooter. They had a boomer shooter with a van that was covered in Trump stickers, and that kind of warded everybody off from going to to Gab, as if all the the random anti Jewish memes to begin with didn't scare normal people away already. So that I mean that that's the state of that website. Are you on Gab still? I know you did have a Gab. But you didn't use it. I, I don't think I ever used it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna probably hook you up there. on Gab. If you have a Gab, I'm posting <laughs> screenshots of it, and I'm sending. Them, I'm gonna post them in far left groups. <laughs> I'm gonna post them in anti-fascist groups. See what happens. Just Reddit. Photoshop. Reddit's right. Photoshop. Now. Oh yeah, just post on Reddit now. Reddit has uh, purged Chapo Trap House and Cumtown and R the Donald. So. Did you join the Cumtown message board? I joined, and it was, yes. I mean, talking about, like, old-timey things, you know, physical media, I guess, you know, became streaming. Message boards became Reddit and social media. The message board is very active and has, like, 300 users active at one time or something like that. Cumtown.org. That's actually the sponsor of today's episode is Cumtown.org. Well, that's, that's the whole reddit that they close they just oh, they they open that one right i don't i don't think that anybody from come town is associated with that it must be the people who no. are running the reddit the subreddit i mean yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so uh that that i mean you can have discussions there is what i hear also armand white is now on parlay and uh i will be following him except i typed in armand and I don't get Armand White here. I don't know if you can see that. It gives me a mom. It gives me a Christian husband, pirate Doug, uh, conservative ALS interpreter. See, I just wanted Armand White. This app is. Are you very spelling bubbly. it? Are you spelling it correctly? You racist. I wrote Almond White. Is uh... <laughs> Almond Juice? Wait. <laughs> anyway. That's been this episode of Movies. Jake, thank you for coming on the show today to discuss physical media. I couldn't think of anybody uh, more, more apt for the subject. Um, listen to Dissecting Cinema. When's the next one coming out? Yeah, I've been working out getting the next show out. It's just been crazy these last like five, six weeks. So, uh, yeah, yeah, working on trying to pedal out a new show. Maybe the next one I'll do is um, the new Shaft film from last year because that, uh, that was a hell of a movie. So just stay tuned. It'll be out soon. I did, I did see that you posted about that in the group. So that's interesting. I was, I, you know, I meant to take a look at that once I saw that that movie was not what the press release stated that it was. And it was actually like a backdoor vehicle for Samuel Jackson to just play Shaft again. seems like it was uh, an interesting film. I, I won't get too deep into it, but I will say this. The writer, his name is Kenya Barris he, from Inglewood, California. Dude wrote a hell of a script and he actually wrote the Coming to America sequel that's supposed to be coming out in December of this year. That makes me super excited for the tenants of that film, which I was on the fence about. But given the personnel they've got, I'm really excited now. Great. Okay. 
So uh, maybe I'll be looking into Shaft then. All right, folks. That's been it for this week. Tune in next week. We'll be talking about The Five Bloods. How about that? Hans yeah, Wolf. A, a big, big Love fan it. of that movie. Did you watch The Five Bloods, Jake? I watched some of it, man, and it just disengaged the hell out of me. I thought I was going to see a legitimate film with compelling, compellingly directed action. Absolute wolf, man. Not even close. <laughs> God, yeah. dude. And then when Hans, when you showed me the... Well, I always forget the actor's name. Fucking Clay Davis from The Wire. When they made him say yeah. shit... You ever want to just reach through a screen and bitch slap Spike Lee as hard as you can? God, Ernest Dickerson every day of the week over Spike Lee. That's my advice to everybody. Well, agree to disagree. That's just what I'll what I'll say to that. Uh, but uh, I mean, what, uh, Ernest Dickerson did uh, Juice, right? Back in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, very good director as well. Movie. Great cinematographer. All right, that that's been movies. <laughs>